guys. Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Ellie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys toward wellness and how to navigate it all. We were inspired to learn about the journeys of normal people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices, from physical to emotional to spiritual, to figure out what wellness means to them and what works for them. We aren't doctors or experts, just average ladies figuring out how to live our best lives while tackling topics all across the wellness spectrum. It takes courage to share these journeys, and by talking about them and sharing personal stories of real people, we aim to destigmatize the process. Join us as we in our community share our courageous wellness. Welcome to Courageous Wellness. This week, we have renowned holistic cardiologist, Dr. Joel Kahn, on the podcast. As one of the world's top cardiologists, Dr. Joel Kahn has treated thousands of acute heart attacks during his career. Rather than treat, he'd like to prevent all future heart attacks by educating and inspiring the public through holistic lifestyle change. Joel Kahn believes that plant-based nutrition is the most powerful source of preventative medicine on the planet. He has been plant-based for 40 years, and he is a passionate advocate for the benefits of a plant-based lifestyle. In addition to running the Kahn Longevity Center in Michigan, he also owns the Green Space Vegan Cafe in Michigan and the Austin-based ATX Green Space Food Truck. Dr. Khan has been featured on The Doctors, Forks Over Knives, Mind Body Green, Bulletproof Radio, The Joe Rogan Experience, and The Dr. Oz Show, to name a few, and is the best-selling author of The Whole Heart Solution, Dead Execs Don't Get Bonuses, and The Plant-Based Solution. We recorded with Dr. Khan directly from his Green Space Cafe in Ferndale, Michigan. We hope you enjoy this informative and in-depth conversation. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today. And um, to get started, I would love to hear a little bit about your journey as like a young man finding medicine and sort of what your inspiration was to choose this career, go into this line of work. Well, sure. And I, w- you know, I don't wish it was a little bit more of a dramatic story like Joel beat multiple sclerosis <laughs> uh, to copy another uh, well-known uh, term out there on the web. Uh, I literally grew up in a home where we honored the kosher dietary laws, and I just grew up casually about it, but meat, milk, pork, bacon, there were just some rules. And when I walked into the dormitory at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, uh, probably about 20 years before you were born, uh, it became obvious that becoming a vegetarian, I mean, there weren't even labels to it. I actually called it back then a salad baritarian, and this giant (laughs) salad bar. Mm-hmm. And everything else was gray anyways, but it certainly also didn't fit the bill. It was all kinds of animal products. So truly, in about a week, transformation made. Ann Arbor was a pretty vegetarian-friendly town. And shortly thereafter, somebody handed me a copy of a book that hardly anybody mentions anymore, but it was called The Diet for New America okay. by John Robbins. And that's a really then Ocean Robbins, now his son. But um, John was the heir to the Baskin-Robbins ice cream fortune and took a rather bold stand around age 18 to say, ice cream three times a day is not a very healthy program. Everybody in the family seems to be fat and have heart disease. Mm -hmm. I'm moving to Victoria Island in uh, British Columbia, and I'm going to become an organic farmer's type. And he wrote a book about the impact of changing your diet and the lifestyle to a plant one way before, you know, it was 
something hot that a Hollywood star might do. Mm, right. But the book, the book was a big influence, and I was already in the middle of my medical and cardiology studies. And the last little piece to it was, I mean, I was quietly already married, raising family. Uh, the kids had an option, but my wife and I both were what we would now call whole food plant-based. Didn't call it back then. Wish I would have. I would have got the uh, trademark on it. Yeah. <laughs> own the world or something. But um, uh, I started my own practice in 1990, or the practice of cardiology. And three weeks later, I'm reading my medical journals because there was no internet. And uh, there's an article saying you can get rid of heart disease, you can reverse heart disease by adopting a plant-based diet mm. along with other lifestyle components like stress reduction uh, mm. with yoga meditation. That's the very famous work of Dr. Dean Ornish, but at the time, hardly anybody was aware of his several-year program to uh, attack then and now the biggest killer in America that starts at your age. Mm -hmm. But beats up people my age because uh, it takes a few decades to really clog arteries. So I said, holy, holy, you know, I was honoring this background religious thing and changed my diet. And now it turns out I'm honoring my profession, being a cardiologist, kind of interested in stopping and reversing heart disease. So it was an unplanned but kind of perfect combination of mm -hmm. forces. So not too many of us can say literally every phase of my medical training, residency, fellowship, and practice. I've been plant-based. Mm. I've been teaching it to people. Uh, I don't shun hospitals, but I don't think they're the right answer for most people. And truly, the, there is lots of reason to say it, but when you get a healthy lifestyle at your age, mm -hmm. you're doing something dramatically helpful when you end up as old as your parents because you know, I identify at age 58 a patient with clogged arteries, high cholesterol, start a lifestyle, start a medication if needed. Yeah, and I'm helping them. But if you did it 30 years earlier, oh my God. I mean, that's scientific data. It's it's the age. People ask me, should 20-year-olds care about heart disease? I said, you know, if they're really serious about the issue, it's exactly the age to get everything. Because it, it's already started subtly, but. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um why uh, why cardiology? What was what was the inspiration behind choosing that as your as your focus? Yeah, I think uh, I was introduced to cardiology like really early when I was born. I had a little noise you hear called a murmur, mm. and I started seeing a pediatric heart doc in Detroit who used to examine me, smoke a cigarette, examine <laughs> me, smoke a cigarette. I had to go for a yearly checkup. Nothing ever came of it. Mm -hmm. There was no surgery or anything, but I was around hospitals from a family that wasn't doctors. Uh, I was around machines that went blip, 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 and yeah. you know, little attention. And it uh, just sort of fascinated me. I wasn't really sure at about 15 and 16, but that, that early in life, if you would ask me about age 16, I would have said, I'm going to be a cardiologist. I tried to figure out how to shortcut it, but you just had to do a whole lot of stuff before you could hang your shingle with that title. Yeah, absolutely. So it's interesting now because you, you've been plant whole food plant-based for so many years um but now there's sort of like all this influx in information right in diets and lifestyle medicine and all different things and there's so much conflicting information out there for people to sort of try to weed through and um do you do you have any sort of recommendation for people to find what works for them. Obviously, you're a big kind of advocate of eating a whole food plant-based diet. Um, 
some people, you know, call that vegan. It is vegan, but, you know, people sort of, like, approach vegan diets in many different ways. Um, right. So if someone is, like, feeling utterly overwhelmed with the amount of information at mm-hmm. their fingertips, where would you say, like, this is where to start? Well, you know, it actually isn't all that overwhelming. There are things we don't know. I mean, I don't know, nobody knows, if we had 10,000 people, put them on an island, gave them whole food, plant-based diets of good quality, would every one of them have their best weight, their best thyroid function, their best periods, their best skin? Um, I think it would be better than any other diet out there, but we don't know that for sure. And it's important that we stick to science and not oversell it. There are a few situations we can talk about it. Um, The primary one is my field. Uh, Advanced heart disease responds to this diet, and no other diet really shows similar benefits, uh, and very few have been studied. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for the general, we don't know that for sure. But to keep it simple, um, if you want to be really chronologically and honest, in about 2009, a group in Washington, D.C. called PCRM, Physician Committee Responsible Medicine.org, published at the time the U.S. had a pyramid to try and treat, teach the public about diet and fitness. And it, nobody got it. But PCRM made a food plate. Fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and legumes. They're very bright colored. Well, it turns out in 2011, the USDA said, get rid of the pyramid. We like the food plate. And they sort of copied PCRM, but fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and they called it protein. They actually didn't say meat. First time U.S. government didn't specifically say meat was an essential nutrient. They had a big glass of milk there. But we're getting closer. And then Mm -hmm. almost done, about two, three months later, the Harvard School of Public Health, which is a very advanced group that studies nutrition, but doesn't have the USDA lobby, the milk lobby, the meat lobby, egg lobby, said that was great. Let's just clean it up a little bit. We got half our plate is fruits and vegetables. They made vegetables a little bit bigger than fruit. Let's not use the word grains, let's use the word whole grains, unless, of course, you're celiac. Mm -hmm. And they changed protein to healthy protein, emphasizing that processed red meat, fried foods were not good choices. Beans and peas, lentils are very suitable. And they took the milk away and put in a glass of water or tea or black coffee. And they said, we're done. This is pretty much the food plate people should eat from. Subsequently... The country of Australia has published a similar food plate for the country about two months ago. A big study out of Europe or a big group called Eat Lancet published a food plate. They're Mm -hmm. all pretty consistent. So I, you know, although I have a mission, if we start talking about animal rights Mm -hmm. in the environment, um, that an all plant diet might be the best choice. We're talking health. Any of those examples, I would say, from Harvard School of Public Health on. So we all can agree on. Now, do we all agree on it? No. Some people put only meat on that plate. That's right. the crazy carnivore movement going on. <laughs> the paleo pyramid isn't going to exactly overlap. A lot of it will. Some yeah. paleo people do like legumes now. That wasn't the original. A few paleo people have put dairy back in. That certainly wasn't the original. Yeah. yeah. I don't think any paleo people are putting whole grains back in because that's kind of the foundation the yes. grains are bad but i will just say quickly even in the there's so much new data but in the last week um bill and melinda gates fund a major research project called the global burden of disease studies 195 mm-hmm. countries all kinds of data 
what are the risks that cause death or disability? The number one food risk for death and disability was excess salt. The number two food risk for early death and disability was inadequate whole grains. That was before fruits and before vegetables and before nuts and seeds. Those were the next. So the top five were salt, inadequate whole grain, inadequate fruit, inadequate nuts, seeds, inadequate vegetables. Now think about animal products on that list. Yeah, but yeah. whole grain's number two, and yet we've got half of America buying gluten-free bread because they think it's somehow magical uh, and healthy when indeed the science says yeah, that, that was a detour by a couple popular authors. Right. And it's so interesting. I mean, Erica and I have both experimented with what works for us over time. And I actually had a, a story after I got cancer at 29 on my back. Yeah. yeah. And I was vegetarian for four years before that. And I've been dairy-free for nine years because I had terrible skin and, of course, gave up dairy. And four days later, I kid you not, gone, right? Like my skin was great. And so I had a really intense, yeah, I'll be, yeah, I'm a really big advocate of the inflammation that dairy can create in the body is really, is a real thing. And I experienced it. And when I removed it, it went away. Um, but after going through multiple surgeries with this tumor, I found myself craving meat for the first time in, in four years through my healing process. And I allowed myself to incorporate some and certain quality back into my diet, but that was like a hard thing mentally to sort of wrap my head around because I was listening to like really what I, I had never craved it before then. And then I craved it a lot and I felt my energy was changing, just incorporating a small amount back. How would you explain like how do you approach the idea of bioindividuality? Do you think there's there's legitimacy in that as far as um, the way people well, eat? Yeah, I think Satan was speaking to you. <laughs> no. Yeah, so for, you know, from a scientific standpoint, we've got lots to learn. Yeah, for yeah. example, there was a book out 15 years ago called The Blood Type Diet. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and many people have heard of it. Most True scientists believe that's been debunked. Uh, the author promised to publish all the scientific data within months. It's 15 years later. Um, what may have some bioindividuality, there's a gene some people have heard about called APOE. Mm -hmm. If you inherit from your parents APOE4, you might be better off eating a diet naturally low in saturated fat in terms of your brain and cholesterol metabolism. So there goes cheese and there goes yeah. egg yolks and there goes red meat and, you know, certainly in abundance. Not everybody honors that, but the science is strong. You know, can we send off stool samples and analyze either just our microbiome or right. the enzyme we have present that's available? People can do that. Um, you know, underwhelming science, but interesting. We certainly shouldn't shun it. And then you get to the, you know, the N of one, as we call it in science. You felt better, you crave meat, added meat, and feel good. Um, Michaela Peterson and her father, Jordan Peterson, eat only meat, and her rheumatoid arthritis is better, and his depression is better. Right. Do we say that's woo-woo? Do we say that's interesting? Or do we then go off and try and figure out scientifically, is intuitive nutrition and bioindividuality, is it, Right. I mean, is the rule do what feels good 
right. or is the rule stick to the Harvard School of Public Health plate if you're generally healthy because that will upgrade mm. the health and nutrition right. of 90% of people. And if it's not working for you, you know, without judgment and you need to veer off, as I said, I mean, I, I, I adopted a plant diet for my own reasons. Yeah. When there's a study that says cheese, eggs, and meat can reverse heart disease, like studies show all natural plant diets that happen to be low in fat because they're just plants yeah. uh, can reverse heart disease. So I teach the one that's proven. I mean, right. I'll have to reevaluate re if there ever were convincing data, but yeah. you know, now we've got 30 to 40 years of experience with plant diets and heart disease. So I don't see anybody rocking that boat soon. And if they do, you know, we'll, we'll have to pivot and make a turn. But, you know, as a physician obligated to teach as scientific a basis as possible right. in my field, it's easy. Um, yeah. yeah. So I don't laugh at, you know, and I don't, I don't laugh at people that have stories that seem to deviate. Uh, but you know, there's a lot of placebo effect in a lot of things. I mean, if Michaela Peterson, and if people don't know who that is, you know, her father's a very famous author, mm -hmm. uh, The Twelve Rules of Something, and she's got notori notoriety on the Joe Rogan experience yeah. and others for juvenile rheumatoid arthritis and her diet being 100% meat. What worries me, she I've listened to a few interviews, she buys her meat at the local grocery store. Right. It's not really organic, grass-fed. Yeah. That you know, is, free range. And I mean, that's a whole that's lot of hormone and pesticide yeah. and, uh, you know, things that I would be concerned about putting in, you know, in excess. But right. maybe the short term gain, not so worried about the theoretical long term pain. Hi, guys. We want to take a quick moment away from this episode to tell you about today's sponsor, Beekeepers Naturals. Beekeepers Naturals is a wellness company specializing in innovative nutraceuticals made from healing hive compounds and plant-based ingredients. Their mission is to improve people's health naturally and save the bees. Erica and I absolutely love these products and have been using them since December when CEO and founder Carly Stein was featured on the podcast. I use their bee pollen in my smoothies and love the superfood cacao honey. It is so delicious. But my favorite is the Bee Chill Hemp Honey. It delivers a powerful 28 milligrams of hemp oil per teaspoon so you can find your bliss. Made with USA grown hemp, it is non-psychoactive and contains 0% THC. I take it most evenings before bed or when I get home from activities to completely relax and sleep through the night. It also curbs my sweet tooth since it is so delicious. What about you, Allie? Well, if you know me, you know I love the propolis spray more than anything. But I also love the Beelixir Brain Fuel. It's a caffeine-free liquid vial with ingredients like ginkgo biloba and royal jelly that is really great for fighting brain fog and enhancing focus and concentration without the jitters. If you want to try Beekeepers Naturals, you can receive 15% off your order by using the code COURAGEOUSWELLNESS, all one word, at checkout. Or visit beekeepersnaturals.com slash courageouswellness, which you can also find in our show notes. Now, back to the episode. Many Americans, as you experience every single day, deal with heart disease in some form in their family. Um, we both have. Yeah. And wow. uh, I have two grandparents still living who are um, both have had quadruple bypass surgeries. Wow. wow. And both had them in their 80s. And 
every single person, this is funny, this is like a little observation that my grandmother saw when my grandfather was um, after surgery. She says, she calls diabetes the sugar. It's really funny. She goes, um, does your other grandma have the sugar, Al? Because when my when Poppy was in surgery, every other guy in there had the sugar, which she meant that everybody who had just had heart surgery has diabetes, <laughs> which was really interesting. And it was like she did, she wasn't aware of the observation she was making. She was just sort of kind of bringing yeah. light to that. Do you see that a lot? And do you, I know obviously we talk about saturated fat, cholesterol, all of those things as far as heart disease goes, but do you see any correlation in your clinical studies as far as um, diabetes and, and patients? Yeah, you got a smart grandma. She could have saved the, uh, the government, you know, hundreds yeah. of millions of dollars of research if they just would have talked to her about diabetes, as some <laughs> people call it. But so, you know, very briefly, uh, the heart disease you're talking about is the one that people should be primarily concerned about. Clean arteries at birth getting clogged by our late teens and early 20s. If you served in the Korean War and you got killed from a bomb explosion and they did an autopsy on your heart arteries, there was plaque and sometimes bad plaque in a lot of people. And your 19-year-old, you know, just random United States male citizen, yeah. occasionally female, but these were mainly male soldiers and all. So that's the one. There are other kinds of heart disease, like the hole in the heart murmur I had. I mean, yeah. that's not a diet thing, and that's not a diabetes thing. But until the 1950s, 1960s, and I know that sounds like a million years ago, that was felt to be just aging. You got old, your arteries got clogged. And actually, for you, a grandparent in their 80s is not considered a giant risk to you. If a, a parent in their 40s having bypass mm. surgery or heart attack would raise a serious question if there's something genetic in the family. Mm. Anyways, but um, until the 50s, and some really bright people said, we think this disease isn't just aging, because look at after World War II, half of America started to smoke. Uh, all the soldiers got free cigarettes and came back. So they parsed out, maybe you've heard of something called the Framingham study, but by the 1970 for sure, smoking doubled or tripled the risk of clogged arteries, diabetes doubled or tripled the risk, High blood pressure doubled or tripled the risk. Mm -hmm. High cholesterol doubled or tripled the risk. And the mom, dad, brother, sister with an early heart attack, bypass, young, a 45, 50, 52, mm -hmm. doubled, uh, tripled the risk. Uh, but so diabetes is known. The problem is diabetes is on the rise. Pre-diabetes is on the rise. Kids are taking pills, not just the insulin requiring ones. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's tied to the gain in weight, overweight and obesity, not exclusively, but it's tied to processed food extra soda, even yeah. though sugar consumption is down a bit in the United States, diabetes is rising and it's more than sugar, it's the fats and processed foods, the chemicals, the endocrine disruptors, mm, the plastic yeah. bottles, the plastic wrap that the burgers in, it's all in all. So it's a real concern and, um, you know, thin isn't always healthy and thin isn't uh, a fat shaming thing, but statistically you're less likely to develop diabetes yeah. Uh, particularly if you keep your waistline yeah. trim. But interestingly enough, this grandfather that I that had this surgery, he's like literally 111 pounds. The man can't keep wow. weight on him, but he's wow. diabetic. And, you know, so. Yeah. I mean, you know, in my own family, too, I have heart stuff that, like, my grandfather was born with a hole in his heart. My mom has AFib. I have a murmur and three leaky heart valves. <laughs> so I have tons wow. of heart stuff. In my family, but it's interesting because my mom um, suffered with weight. She was diabetic, 
and she, um, weight issues also run in my family. But when she got diagnosed with AFib, it was really bad. And she knew she had to start losing the weight and taking care of herself. And she actually did plant-based vegan yeah. diet. She gave yeah, up Yeah, if any of your listeners don't know, atrial fibrillation, yeah. unusual in people your age, mm. common in people sub-80, it's an irregular heartbeat yeah. that you might feel sometimes all the time. You might be short of breath. You worry about blood clots and strokes. And again, there's a lot of reasons people get it, including genetic, but yeah. staying fit, eating yeah. well, yeah. and avoiding obesity is a pretty darn good path. Exactly. And so my mom, though, that's what she did for, I think, and that's pretty much how she still lives her whole life, but for two, maybe even longer, but at least like the first two years, she did not deviate from a plant-based vegan diet and she lost so much weight. She got her like, she completely changed her life and she's so healthy now. And, um, it's amazing. And I think there is something to, obviously there's a lot to it, but I think it's also very confusing. Like Ali said, because there's so much information out there. Right. And when I, um, when I was a vegetarian in 2008, it was not, like it is today. So I didn't know what I was doing. And I know it's like, you could be like, Oh, eat plants. Eat Like it makes sense to me now as a 30 year old woman. But when I was like 18 and in college and trying to be a vegetarian, I didn't know what to eat. And I wouldn't say I was eating healthy. I ate a lot of like processed soy and just processed Processed vegetarian vegan food, food, you know? Yeah. So I think for anybody listening who, you know, here's paleo, keto, plant-based vegan, you know, what would you recommend like they start with? Is there anything that you recommend they start eating or what they can do? Because I think there is just so much information. It can be really confusing and overwhelming, Yeah, to be honest. Um, no, I, I was saying, God, I hope you guys make it to 40 with the health problems you have. No, okay, just kidding. <laughs> so just two, two responses because you brought up a couple things, Sorry. although I didn't plan to go there. Does somebody 29 or 30 need to do anything if grandma had this or grandpa that? It's a good idea to know your cholesterol. And I bet you if you ask a lot of your friends, they've never had a check. Why? Without being too uh, statistical, one in 250 people inherit a cholesterol disorder that can make their cholesterol 500. Mm -hmm. And at age 28, 29, 30, you're not going to have had a heart attack. You might have some funny little bumps on your elbows and under your eye that people don't even notice. They're actually cholesterol deposits. Mm. And the other is a lot of people are doing keto, 25 to 30% of keto eaters. They're called hyper-responding. Their cholesterol can go up to five, 600. Mm. Now, 75% don't. It might go up, but not dramatic. You really should know. You, you know. you should know your blood pressure. Go to the drugstore once. A lot of people in their late 20s and 30s, that's about the age. A lot of people start to develop high blood pressure. And doing what your mom did, getting on a whole food plant diet, is actually a reasonable response to all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple, if anybody ever watched The Biggest Loser Show and mm-hmm. Bob Harper, yeah. Yeah. he had a massive heart attack yeah. a couple of years ago despite looking fit. Um, I don't think it was the tattooing. He announced on the Dr. Oz show, he had a weird genetic cholesterol called lipoprotein A. Throw that in the mix if you really got some scary relatives and all uh, in terms of history. But to answer your question, I mean, this, this new study, Global Burden of Disease, I think that is the message that's in the headlines, and they're everywhere. It's mm-hmm. more important than cutting out the bad stuff. Mm-hmm. And you probably should cut down on some of the fake meats or real meats. 
or bacon or cheese mm -hmm. or fried food. You should. But adding in the good stuff actually statistically mm -hmm. has more power to avoid disease. We eat, you know, there's these amazing graphs of the American Heart Association. Simple, they're called the Simple Seven. And only about 15% of America smokes, although in your age range, it's a little higher. The damn millennials are <laughs> smoking 20, 20. 85% sadly, yeah. but you know, 85% of America doesn't smoke, 50% yeah. of America exercises, um, two thirds of America doesn't have diabetes. Yeah. 97% of Americans do not get enough fruits and vegetables. Mm -hmm. And if you want to add in whole grains, and that's what this new study says. So take one meal a day and make sure, you know, you're, you're mm -hmm. eat one giant salad a day, grab one, I would say organic apple a day because yeah. apples are very pesticide coated, just like a lot of other foods out there, you know, fall in love with some fruit, some vegetable, avocado, great, but vary it up a little, fall in love with cilantro and kale and yeah. arugula and just eat, eat, uh, you know, at least one good serving mm. of uh, fruits and vegetables. They could be a smoothie in the morning. A yeah, lot of people yeah. enter the health world with that five, six serving smoothie, chia seeds, flax seeds, cinnamon, mm. nutmeg, hemp milk, you know, arugula and blueberries. And so that that's adding in what we're missing. Um, I love that idea. That's actually super simple and practical for people who want to take a, a step in in the direction of improving their health, but like, again, maybe feel overwhelmed by like, I don't know what to do, so I'm not gonna do anything. And they don't have any real health issues. So they're like, I don't wanna do something so drastic. Maybe they're just trying to lose like five or 10 pounds or feel better, yeah, feel, feel better. less have tired. More yeah. yeah, like feel less tired. And so I, that's so practical to be like, add this. Add this in, yeah. yeah. I would just be a little careful. You can buy smoothies at so many places and yes. there are sugar bombs. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. You do want to be a bit careful about the fruit juice content or actually the sugar content yeah. because the commercial ones that are quicker than, you know, whipping out your blender or your Nutribullet at home are right, right. not necessarily going to be where you want to be. Yeah, it's going to be like the sugar content of a candy bar <laughs> instead of a healthy smoothie yeah. in the morning. Well, um, thank you for that advice. I think it's just, you know, I think anything sort of like practical, small steps that people can take to improve mm -hmm. their life at any, at any time before we get sick, yeah. you know, is like, is such a, I think, you know, Erica and I both have had sort of health journeys from an early age. And I think it's why, it's why we've created this podcast and it's why we have interest in preventative living versus, mm -hmm. you know, I thought I was invincible. And at 29, a few years ago, I got a rare form of cancer on my back. So it was just an eye-opening experience and I'm grateful for that. And I know Erica's had a similar sort of journey with weight loss and her own health. And yeah. we know that there's so much more than just the physical. So as a, as a healthy doctor and someone who promotes this kind of lifestyle for your clients, you mentioned early on the aspect of stress being an element mm -hmm. of it's not just what we eat or how we move. But um, what do you do in your personal sort of practice to re keep your stress low? Um, yeah, I give a lot of noogies on the head to people <laughs> and make them giggle, and it makes me giggle. No, I would. I, I would, but Joe Biden ruined that for us. So we don't do that anymore. Oh, my God. Um, but, I, yeah, so stress, you know, statistically, some articles say 70 to 80% of visits to the doctor it could be back pain, could be fatigue, could be uh, you know, poor sleep. It's stress at its root cause. And instead of the prescription for Ambien, the discussion should be, why are you stressed? 
and here's some simple lifestyle techniques. Um, and stress also, stress for sleep, I'll skip the gym, I'll grab the donuts, you know, I'll not pack my lunch and I'll order in from the Coney down the street. Now, stress is a big factor, uh, let alone it could literally raise your blood pressure, raise your cortisol, raise your blood sugar because of that. So it's a big factor. What do I do? Yeah. I, I'm not um, uh, cellular device free. I mean, I'm very plugged into all the social media channels. But the first five minutes of the day, I'm not reaching for the phone. There's really in bed. I, it's just a habit. I have five minutes of gratitude and mindfulness mm-hmm. and brief little prayer I learned as a kid. And, you know, just grateful. I look at some people don't wake up. And that very basic foundation starts the day with mindfulness. Um, I'm in the medical field. And, you know, there are people that wish they had the five minutes of opportunity, but they're not with us anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I do pay attention to breath. Uh, there's a whole different lot of practices. I'm formally trained in transcendental meditation. Mm. I have Headspace and Calm and yeah. other programs on my phone. I found about um, four or five years ago a 12-minute um, meditative breathing practice called the Kirtan Kriya, K-I-R-T-A-N-K-R-I-Y-A. And the reason I like it, it's ancient, but it's mainly taught by a neurology psychiatrist in Tucson with a Sikh name. I think his name is Dr. Khalsa. But if you Google Kirtan Kriya PDF, um, it's an interesting center of research in Tucson, and they study stressed out people. What, who are the stressed out people? Either mothers raising disabled children or, you know, uh, challenged children, or families taking care of elderly and sick parents that are in the house with them, which are legitimately very high stress situations. And they teach half of them this very simple 12-minute meditation. You can learn it in one minute. They, they, the other half, they just get some general supportive. And they've actually like taken them to UCLA and done brain studies and mm-hmm. telomere aging studies and cortisol studies. Mm-hmm. So there's this large body of research that this simple little tool, everybody has the same mantra. It has what, if you're familiar, called mudras, little hand motions, mm-hmm. and a little mindset that goes on. I think you're so distracted you have, you know, you can't think of anything else for those 12 minutes. Right, right. I call it like the high intensity training, you know, meditation. I mean, most transcendental meditation courses are 20 minutes twice a day. And there is some really strong science that backs up the benefits of transcendental meditation. But I find, uh, and if I can, I actually do this in a sauna because uh, there is tremendous data that initially infrared sauna, and now there are some workouts and yoga studios yeah. that have infrared sauna in the wall, that's cool. But now even steam sauna, tremendous data out of Finland says maybe one of the best practices to get those plastics out, get those yeah. chemicals, get that pollution out. And so I, I actually usually meditate in a sauna. I call it saunitation. Mm-hmm. Clean everything out, clean stress out, clean chemicals out. That it's sounds a good spell. That sounds great. We should we should make a I sanitation station. The sauna is my favorite place in the whole. The world. Department of Sanitation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And in LA, it's actually become quite trendy to have like sauna bars, and you know, you go to like a sauna, yeah. you know, and you can like sweat and that, you know. So infrared or dead. <laughs> infrared or dead. We love it. Um, I'm so curious too, um, you know, I think a lot of people, especially when they're new to their own journeys or trying to figure out the way to eat, even myself, when I started my own, like figuring it out, I wanted to always know what did other people eat? Like what was their daily, like food like? So I'm just curious, would you be able to share 
what a typical day of food looks like for you? Yeah, and it's changed. Um, there's a big debate, and I'm unsettled on it. Breakfast, most important meal, breakfast, optional. Yeah. And, of course, lots of people are practicing. I call it time-restricted feeding. More people call it intermittent fasting, but it's really called time-restricted feeding, not eating till noon or one or right. two. I can skip breakfast, have a cup of coffee. I've got my energy. I feel great. And I do that most days. I mean, I would love the luxury of having 10 extra minutes to make that gorgeous smoothie or 10 extra minutes to make steel cut oats. Uh, but I'm usually moving a little too fast for that and I'm fine. So the answer is coffee. And then I switch to tea. I'm drinking herbal tea all day long. Mm -hmm. Turmeric, ginger tea in my hand right now um, or filtered water. I'm pretty careful about that. I do not drink city water with any regularity. It's, uh, it's not a good place to go. Um, Lunch I bring, I bring in a glass container. I used to bring in plastic. I've upgraded my uh, sensitivity to, again, they're called endocrine disrupting hormones. Mm -hmm. It could be anything. It could be a soup. It could be uh, a giant salad. It's very often a giant. It's actually not that giant a salad. I, to limit calories, it's not a super large container. Um, these are during the week when I'm doing my cardiology. And then dinner, I own three plant-based restaurants, two in Detroit and a food truck in Austin, Texas. Uh, Green Space Cafe in Detroit and ATX Food Co. on Barton Spring Roads in Austin. So, I mean, usually dinner, I'm at the restaurant mm -hmm. just circulating around. It's a lot of fun. It's a young, hip town like West Hollywood and the young, hip crowd and uh, makes me feel really younger and vital. Uh, yeah, you know, not always. I mean, if I were at home, I might make my wife tends to eat gluten free. Uh, due to some sensitivity she has. It might be the glyphosate, the GMO stuff, but we're a pretty uh, organic family. So it might be a, a gluten-free pizza, but for me, pizza, and there's no cheese, it's just an excuse to put literally a pile of, of vegetables like arugula and walnuts on. Yeah. I'm a big fan. I love raw garlic, very healthy food, raw garlic, onions. I give you a lot of sulfur in your diet to do the hexapide. Um but with all that said and done, uh, the, the thing that I've changed the most is being educated now, and it comes from LA, on the power of fasting as a rejuvenative, regenerative process. Mm -hmm. Even in your 30s, you can start. So you have a professor in LA named Dr. Longo, mm -hmm. Walter. It's Walter with a V. I thought he was German, but he's Italian-born. He's 25 years at University of Southern California. He's probably the leading expert in the world. There's a book out called The Longevity Diet. Mm. Um, biochemistry, nutrition, aging, longevity, fascinating man, fascinating science. I've gotten very close to him and a company in LA that he started with the university called El Nutra. So there's a program, and I don't know if you're aware of it, called the Fasting Mimicking Diet, FMD. Mm. It's a box of food. It's uh, five days, 800 calories a day, non-GMO um, uh, plant food. It turns out it's plant food. I know listeners won't be able to see, but uh, that's my lunch today, minestrone wow. soup in a package from El Nutra, um, because what it's all science-based. There was years of animal research that you can get the same benefit of doing five days of a water fast. Mm. But if you're doing five days of a water fast, five days of a water fast, free of sugar, free of protein, will activate some healing regenerative pathways. This mm -hmm. is known science. It's just tough to do. Are you going to be able to work your full right. schedule? Are you going to feel good enough or have terrible headaches and all and uh, you know go through keto flu, but you do water fast flu? 
Um, Dr. Longo created a, a diet where 800 calories a day, you're, you're not so hangry that you're miserable. Mm. And um, the science of what it can do to release stem cells, lower inflammation, wow. lower visceral fat is world class. In fact, it's the only thing patented by the U.S. government to promote a healthy lifespan. There was so much data that's something that came out end of 2018. So I have incorporated for my patients in my own life, maybe every three months, I actually started today, I haven't done it for a few months, uh, five days in a row, kind of a, I feel like I'm going to a spa, but I'm just doing my own life with spa-like food mm -hmm. that comes in a box that is from the University of Southern California. All the proceeds go to research, not to Dr. Longo. He's oh, that's great. A, pretty, a, a pretty esteemed and pure yeah. scientist. We'll link, we'll link it, in it in our show notes. Show notes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so people the can Colon see. is the name of the five-day program. The company is called El Nutra, and it's just... I, one of the best breakthroughs we've had of using nutrition. And then you go back after five days, you yeah, want to yeah. eat a healthy, clean diet of any choice. Yeah. Uh, or you want to read Dr. Longo's book. It's a pretty interesting approach to nutrition. Little, a little spin on the Mediterranean diet. Mm. So will we always finish our shows and wrap up? You've already actually, like he sort of predicted it. We always mm -hmm. ask our guests if there's anything in the moment that they're either reading or listening to as far as podcasts go or anything that's just currently inspiring them in their lives. Um, so you just recommended that book, but do you have any other recommendations that you would like to share right now? Well, yeah, always, always. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, I am selective. I think I'm reasonably knowledgeable. Uh, you can get such a range of input and not all of it's necessarily science-based. So, um, I'll tell you what I'm listening to only to prepare myself for war. Okay. Um, there's a name out there and I'm being, I'm going to be rather cruel right now. Dr. Stephen Gundry from Palm Springs and the book, the plant paradox. Yeah. And Dr. Gundry is a very well-trained cardiac surgeon. I'm a, I believe well-trained cardiologist. We would work together. We're not identical, but about 15 years ago, he established a wellness center in Palm Springs and has a pretty amazing clientele. And he wrote a book about eight years ago I found interesting. I didn't agree with it all. But the book that came out two years ago, got on the New York Times bestseller list for 30 weeks. It's translated into 34 countries. I disagree with, not, not, let me see, the scientific world disagrees with 90% of what's in that mm. book. Somebody just actually went through paragraph by paragraph, a nutritionist with a PhD, pretty esteemed guy, Stephen Guyanette and said the book is 26% accurate. Mm. Well, if you're an MD giving advice to people and your, your references are wrong and your scientific theory is wrong, of course, that's the idea that plants want to kill us right. and legume, legumes have the highest concentration of those plant killer chemicals called lectins. Yeah. And you should, you know, you should uh, rid yourself of them. And he'll, you know, so he has a new book out and I've been listening to some of his interviews on podcasts. Uh, I have debated him on the doctor show. Yeah, I've debated I was going to say, I've seen him And, you know, I'm going to see him in Austin. There's a big conference called Paleo FX. And somehow I got myself on the <laughs> on the agenda to be on a panel with him and you know, try and be civil. He's a very friendly man. That's the problem with it. It's hard to parse out what he's saying from his friendly uh, persona. So uh, that's, but I wouldn't suggest anybody else go listen to that stuff because it's 26% correct, uh, perhaps. <laughs> I haven't analyzed the new book. Um, uh, who's really good out there? I do listen to Ben Greenfield okay, as okay. a podcast, America's number one fitness trainer. Ben and I are friends. 
Uh, he certainly has time to do deep, deep research, sometimes on supplements, food, fitness, sleep. Um, sleep is such a big issue for so many people. I mean, sometimes it's just you can't get seven hours sleep if you go to bed at 2 a.m. and you got to get up at 6 to go to work. It's yeah. just not going to be seven hours. I, I hate to tell millennials that, but it just doesn't work for them either. But if you get past that and you really create the time to sleep, it's still with cell phones and iPads and Wi-Fi and, you know, coffee and wine and stimulation. Um, people are having trouble sleeping. And uh, he put out a sleep hacking guide recently. That's probably one of the more interesting things I've read recently. And it's a free PDF. Okay. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate you joining us today. Um, if anybody wants to find you, if they don't, haven't already seen you on television or read your books, um, where can they find you on the internet? Yeah, internet everywhere. I mean, Twitter, 100 times a day, D-R-J-K-A-H-N, Dr. J. Khan. Mm -hmm. Instagram, three times a day, D-R-J-K-H-N. And then I have a Facebook page, Dr. Joel Khan, America's LDR Doc. And I try to be scientific. I will say, I urge you, I do have a little YouTube channel. And typically, I do two or three three-minute YouTubes on a scientific topic. Um, sometimes I'm doing it for my own education and I share with my patients. But about three weeks ago, you guys may be familiar with this, a couple very um, well-known uh, vegan YouTubers like yeah. Ravana announced you know that they're eating fish and meat getting back to the intuitive getting yeah. back to bioindividuality and a friend of mine put out sort of a parody youtube banana banana blondie 108 and i was planning to do it i have a sense of humor but i also have you know a university professorship so i have to balance all stuff <laughs> so i ultimately said i'm doing it and i have a uh, a YouTube about one week ago called No Longer Vegan. Well, my 300 views I normally get, it's up to 40,000 views. Wow. All you, gotta, all you gotta do is be a comedian and most of it's sexual inappropriate. Yeah, it's very funny. We did watch it, it's very okay. funny. Well, you know, I, I'm only saying that I am literally out there all over the place because it's just a good way to reach yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if the message is seemingly authentic, uh, why not use technology? I mean, exactly. I write books. I mean, if I sell 10,000 copies of a book, it's a good thing. I, you know, I can take seven minutes, and I think a lot more than 40,000 people have seen that video, and certainly my colleagues have because they're, they're bitch-slapping me for doing inappropriate, <laughs> but that's okay. I'm having more fun. Yeah, it's, it's definitely funny. You're a doctor and comedian. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. And, um, yeah, we look forward to following you and seeing what's, seeing what's next. Yes, absolutely. Good, good health, and I'll definitely see you at 40, 50, 60, and beyond. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, Dr. Khan. Thank you so much. Bye. 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 Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.